On today's episode of Let's Go Together, I talk with CEO Jay Owen. And I love this conversation. He has so much experience. He's got 21 years. He started when he was 17 years old. And so we go into kind of that story. You know, he's built this uh, million dollar agency and we go into kind of his journey and how he's been able to do all the things that he's done, what's been foundational to himself. You know, one of the things he talks about is like knowing yourself and really get into one of the things that he talks about himself and how he actually uses it as a positive, even though most people may see it as a negative. So we kind of get into that more, but um, just such a powerful lesson, you know, from somebody who's achieved so much both in life and business. So, you know, without further ado, let's just dive in. But first, the intro. Welcome to Let's Grow Together. My name is Nick Bonatotibus, motivational speaker and digital marketing strategist. And this podcast is all about helping you grow both in life and business. Let's dive in. All right. I am so excited. I love bringing on new and unique guests. And this particular individual is no different. Um, so very special welcome, Jay Owen. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So real quick, tell us a little bit about you know, who you are, what you do, and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we've found over the years that marketing can be really confusing and expensive. A lot of people waste a lot of money on things that don't work, and that can be really frustrating. And so what we do at our agency is help people um, clarify their message and improve their marketing so they actually get attention and acquire customers. So what I've done my whole life, um, I know what it's like to build a small business because I've done it. Uh, I've been in business now for 21 years, and um, we've grown year over year every single year, including this one in the middle of a pandemic, although not as much as I would like to grow, if I'm being fully honest. Um, and uh, for years, it was just me and then me plus contractors and now me plus a great team uh, of folks. And uh, we ultimately, our mission is to help other people grow their business, um, regardless of what the tools or resources are. We help them figure those things out. And that's kind of our focus. Awesome. Amazing. 21 years. That's surprising because you look super young. 21 <laughs> years. Um, when did you get started on this journey? Well, I started the business that I run now uh, when I was 17, which was 21 years ago. Um, and I, I always joke, I, I've been 40 since I was 12. I built my first website when I was 12, actually, um, and then kind of played with that stuff. I was a real, you know, super nerd back in the days. And really, that was when the internet was like just starting to some extent. Um, so I cut my teeth on the early days of the web of, you know, Internet Explorer and Netscape Navigator and AOL and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and now, uh, then, then I eventually started the business at 17. But at that point, I was a junior in high school, you know, um, I didn't need to make a lot of money. So while it was the same business as it is today, it, it only made about $5,000 that first year. Uh, now we're a multi-million dollar agency. So it's, uh, it's been a journey along the way to get from that, you know, few thousand dollars the first year to where we are today. Yeah. And I'd love to kind of dive into that journey a little bit more if we could and kind of how you've been able to progress, but also what it takes from a personal side to be able to progress. You know, I mean, 21 years, I just can't imagine how much, obviously to be able to grow every single year, it's not just about the business. Like to me, there has to be some personal development that you're doing. And I'd love to kind of hear how you've progressed through this 
through this time. Specifically, I'm curious about the early, early years, you know, like mm. that first five years and how are you able to kind of go from that 17 year old, just kind of figuring stuff out to, to really progressing? Yeah, you know, um, in the early years, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was just um, doing something that I enjoyed doing and people were willing to pay me money for it. And I thought, well, this is better than cutting grass, um, which I had done before that. So let's do this instead. And I live in Florida, so it's really hot outside. So instead of cutting grass, I'd sit inside on the computer and um, push pixels around and, and write code. And so I learned how to do all those things in the early years. The, the greatest thing that served me in those early years uh, was my curiosity. You know, I, I just, I wanted to figure it out and I wanted to be helpful. And, you know, I, I think from a personality standpoint, I have an innate desire um, to help other people. But then ultimately, if I dig down, it's also to be liked. Yeah, you know, that's something that I've kind of like a realized as, as self-awareness grows along the way. But I didn't know those things in the early days. And so I'd love to say that I had some kind of grand plan in those first five years, but honestly, I was just curious and scrappy. Um, and I think in the early days of entrepreneurship, as long as you don't spend too much money and as long as you don't need too much money, those two things will serve you really well. Curiosity and just kind of straight up scrappiness. I'm willing to figure out what people need and go help deliver those things. Um, but over time, I have learned a lot of tools and resources that if I had known back then, I could have accelerated much more quickly. I, I grew really slowly over those first few years. I mean, I say that, but you know, I went from like $5,000 a year to $15,000 a year to $25,000 a year. Well, that's not going to work for somebody who's trying to like make it their full-time job. But I was fortunate enough to start so young that at 17, I didn't need it to be a full-time job. I needed it to pay, you know, for gas in my car and movies on the weekends. Um, but now I have five kids and a wife and 18 team members, uh, $5,000 a year is not going to cut it anymore. <laughs> so I grew really slow in those early years. And, and I, I honestly wish that I had a lot of the tools and resources that exist today uh, because we didn't have podcasts back then. We didn't have YouTube back then. We didn't have, and I feel like an old man saying this stuff, but, but that's the reality of it. We just had to figure it out in those, in those early years of, you know, late nineties. Um, but it worked out. And, and, and honestly, it was, it was <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that I've realized in hindsight was less about things that I did personally. My, look, I worked really hard. I, I worked as many hours as I, as, as I could stay awake sometimes. I, I didn't go out partying when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. I sat in on the computer. So call me a nerd, but that worked out fine uh, over 20 years. And, um, and what I realized, though, in hindsight was having the right people in my life is really what changed everything. And, and now I always say people need four specific people in their life. And if you can't define who these four people are, then, then you need to go find them and you need to get them in your life somehow. So I always say you need somebody to look up to. So somebody you're following, somebody who's a little bit farther down the path than you, an aspirational identity. Maybe that's somebody you personally know, or, or maybe it is someone um, that is kind of a, a figurehead. Like for me, it's like a Michael Hyatt. Love that guy. He's got five grown children. One of them is a COO. Like he cares about work and life. He's been married to the same woman for 40 plus years. He's an aspirational identity for me, but I don't know him personally. So you need somebody to look up to. I also believe you need somebody to stand, stand beside you. That's the second person. And for business owners, it, it's very often said, and entrepreneurs, that it's lonely at the top. 
In, in fact, we know this is true because there's startling statistics around depression, anxiety, and even suicide in the entrepreneurial community that are not talked about that much because it is lonely at the top. It is lonely when you're trying to figure those things out. And you have to find other people who are going through this journey together because it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. You need other people to commiserate with, you need other people, other people to celebrate with, and the other people who are walking through life in the same season as you. You need somebody to look up to, somebody to stand beside you. You need somebody that's looking up to you. Now, younger people who are just starting out think, well, I don't, there's nobody that's going to be looking up to me because I'm just starting out. That's not true. We're all somewhere along the journey and somebody can look up to you. Even if it's your, you know, 12-year-old nephew, that's fine. Um, I was that 12-year-old nephew of somebody at one point, you know. So you need somebody that's looking up to you because when we teach, we, we actually grow the most. So you need somebody to look up to, somebody to stand beside you, somebody who's looking up to you. And the last one is one that I just realized um, and this is a very long answer to your question. I realize that. Um, the, the last one is you need someone who believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. And, and, and that is such an important piece of the puzzle. For me, uh, in my early years, that was probably my mom. And, and really in my business years, that has been my wife. Uh, there was a season where um, early in my business, I just gotten married. I didn't think I could make it work. I was making maybe $25,000 a year, top line not enough to grow a family and raise a family, at least not with the dreams and ideas that we wanted in our community. And, and I thought, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can make enough money. Uh, I don't think I can grow this business enough to pull this off. I was probably 21 years old, maybe 22, probably 21. And so I went to work for my uncle in the insurance business and I took design extensions, my agency, and I put it kind of on the back burner. I didn't kill it. I just kind of left. There's going to be kind of a hobby you know, make an extra 10, 20, 30 grand a year. Great. That's something I enjoy to do, but my real job is going to be in the insurance business. Well, after six months with my uncle, which I learned a ton in the insurance business, working with him in real life business, great business school is actually doing business. Um, what I also realized is I hated the insurance business. And so I always joke when you come from a creative world and you move into insurance, if you get too creative in insurance, you go to jail. So that's no good. So I came home one day and, and I was really upset and I told my wife, you know, I, um, I can do this, but I'm probably going to hate it every day. And I probably can make a lot of money, but I'm not going to like it. And she said, so quit and do what you love. And that's the day that I knew I married the right woman for sure. Um, and I quit. The next morning I went in to my uncle and I was crying because I'm a bit of a crier. And I, I told him, I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. I got to follow my dream. And I remember saying to her, I, I wonder if I'll ever have enough work just to keep me busy for the whole week. Because I didn't. I'd never had that much work. And now I've got a whole team of almost 20 people who have more work than they have time for most days. And, um, but back then it wasn't like that. And so I learned the hard way. I learned the slow way. And I'm so thankful for you know, people like you who are sharing stories of other entrepreneurs because I think there's so much to be learned that I didn't have access to or didn't have easy access to uh, in my early days. And so education, non-traditional education especially, is so valuable right now. Yeah, absolutely. And for the record, I love long answers because that's when the good stuff really comes out. <laughs> and you didn't disappoint. I mean, there are so many gems right there. I mean, going through the four people, um, it's like just so critical. Uh, and there were a few things, a few things that I wanted to to touch on um, that you mentioned throughout that. So the first thing was the curiosity aspect. You know, you mentioned curiosity and scrappiness. And I absolutely love that because 
I always found myself to be somewhat of a, you know, scrappy person, you know, you just, I, in sports, like that's how I was, you know, I, I put it in and the work ethic made me a better athlete, even though I didn't always have the talent to back it up. Right. Um, but the curiosity thing I think is so critical. Um, and I was hoping you kind of could elaborate a little bit more on curiosity and what you've done and how your curiosity, um, and what, what that kind of led to. Yeah. I mean, for me specifically, it relates to technology. So I've always just, I just, I love, I'm a little bit of a software junkie. So I have a real like free trial problem. So like if there's somebody puts like a new piece of productivity software in front of me and it's like seven day free trial, I'm like, I have to try that. Like I have to see what it is. And because I want to see if it's better than what I have now. And what I always tell my team is I don't care what we have been doing. I only care what the best way is. And so if we've always done it this way, that's great as long as it's still the best way. If there's a better way, we should do that. Now, I have also had to learn that I have to temper that curiosity now that I'm in charge of a team because while my own instinct to constantly be changing, constantly be trying new things, constantly be adjusting served me really well in the early years and it still serves the business well, it also can really frustrate a team of people who are trying to put together a clear plan and execute against that plan. So that has something been something I've had to kind of learn to adjust in my own behavior of how I project that to the team. But in the early years, you know, I find especially with, it's, it's, it's interesting with technology, I think people uh, of all ages, surprisingly to me, are just kind of scared of messing something up. So like, they don't want to click on things. They don't want to, they're just like, well, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, well, I don't know, just start clicking around and see what happens. Like there's, you really, it's kind of foolproof, you know, like there's not a whole lot of stuff you can really break on most computers or phones these days. So just try something. And in those early days, things were so much more basic than they are now, right? There was no touchscreen devices. There was no iPhone. There was no, um, I mean, gosh, we had to design websites to be a certain pixel width. There was no like responsive layouts, like all these things that exist. And so to some extent, it was a little bit easier to play with some of those things because there wasn't a whole lot to it. Um, and, and I just learned by trial and error. Like, let me try a thing and oh, that didn't really work. Let me try that. That didn't really work. Oh, that kind of worked. Let's try a little bit more of that. And um, that's, that's kind of been my MO from a, from a very young age. That curiosity, I, I think, is something that is somewhat innate. Um, it's something that kind of is in people, but I also think it can be nurtured. Um, I think that if, if you don't have that, it's something you can kind of investigate and go, hey, how, how, how can I be more curious about this? What's another question I could ask? What's another step I could do before going to ask somebody else? Um, because now it's actually easier to find things out than ever before because we can just type them into Google, right? It's somewhat dangerous, actually, from our own knowledge base, probably. But at the same time, I always tell people, like, don't ask me a question that you can Google which means there shouldn't be a whole lot of questions that you should ask me. Like, because when you get to Google, it's going to give you a lot of answers. Now, the hard thing is deciding which answer is the right answer in some scenarios. And that's when you need to bring something to the table. Um, but I want a team. I want my team to be curious too. I want them to be curious to figure out what could a possible answer be. So when I'm talking to a team, for example, I would say, don't, don't bring me a problem unless you have a possible solution. I don't care if it's a bad solution. I don't care if you even think it's a bad solution. If you're like, this is, I don't think it's a good idea, but here's what I'm thinking we could do. But I don't really know what else we could do. Fine, but bring me a possible solution if you're gonna bring me a problem because most of the time I want them to be trying to figure that out. And if I take that from them from a, as a leader and go, oh, well, here's what you should do, 
I'm just creating robots and monkeys and, and robots are a lot cheaper than people. So I might as well just have robots. I need, I need people to be thinkers and to be curious and to figure stuff out. So to some extent, I've also tried to replicate that as our team grows. But I, I do think that some people are naturally more curious than others. So, you know, it's just, it is a powerful trait for an entrepreneur to have though. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting, and I think, um, you know, you mentioned it being innate and it is as a child, we are like, mm -hmm. when we grow up, we are, we're constantly on this, like, I mean, watching kids learn when they're young, their right. eyes just like open up. Like, and I, you know, I'm sure you know this more than I do, you know, you have kids and, and how they just, they're so curious into, you know, and they love putting stuff in their mouth, you know, all <laughs> that aspect, but it's all from like a learning standpoint. And they're just constantly, Oh, like, what does this do? Trying to play with this, trying to do that. And, you know, I think somewhere along the way, we kind of lose that. You know, mm -hmm. do you agree with that? And like, yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. I mean, and, and I think it's a mistake that we make with children is, is we, you know, we, we homeschool our kids and, and I had, I've had people before say things like, um, well, Jay, if you homeschool them, how, how are they going to learn to fit in the system? And I'm like, they're not, they're going to learn how to create their own system. And so like people need systems. Like people need processes and habits and plans to follow, but, but they can create their own. They don't just have to do what everybody else tells them to do. That, that, that's the beauty of, of entrepreneurship is it is going, you know what? I'm not going to abide by what everyone else says has to happen. I think I have a better way. You might not actually have a better way, but you'll find out. And, and I think sometimes with kids, the mistake we can make, and I make this mistake with my own kids, is we try and take that wonder away from them, which is really sad when you say it that way. We try and take that curiosity away from them because we want them to just do what they're told. And, and we do this in school, we need you to stand in line, we need you to sit in rows, we need you to follow instructions. And all of those things came from essentially a, you know, an industrial manufacturing age within the country where that's what we needed people to do. We needed people to get in line, we needed them to follow orders, we needed to get them, get them on the assembly line and have them do these things over and over and over again. <clears throat> and there's still jobs like that, but ultimately what we need now, I think for a growing economy is people who are curious. And so I think that's a great question to ask is like, where can I find that childlike wonder? You know, where can I find that childlike curiosity that is so in inspired and impressed by new things? Um, because I think one of the dangers of getting old is becoming cynical. Um, and it's easy to happen because life is hard. Like you know, business is hard. Marriage is hard. Raising kids is hard. Like, and regardless of where you're at in society, there's different levels of how that, how that difficulty looks, but it's hard regardless of who you are. Um, otherwise we wouldn't see celebrities that end up, you know, overdosing and ruining their lives with all kinds of um, poor choices because it's life is hard. And so having a curiosity and a wonder and trying to maintain that throughout adulthood um, is a powerful trait uh, for somebody to have, especially as an entrepreneur, for sure. Yeah. And I think what you brought up is, is so important as it's funny. Cause I was just listening to the book um, limitless by Jim quick and he's talking about the education system and, you know, we are taught this process of like not being curious, you know, it's like, learn this thing, do this thing. And just like you mentioned, like be in this row, you know, follow in line. Like we are, we are 
trained in school to be, you know, these, these factory workers, like you mentioned, and, you know, they don't have like entrepreneur classes in high school, man, I wish they had Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, But one thing that you've, you've hit on a few times, and I think it's like so important, the curiosity comes from the questions that we ask, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how we're able to do that. Are there like certain questions that you ask yourself on a regular basis that help to continue to allow that curiosity to grow? I think the biggest one is one that I will ask uh, my team a lot too, because I think if we ask ourselves questions, we only have so many answers, but if we, ask, if we ask other people questions, they're gonna have answers we didn't think of, because um, we're not as smart as we think that we are, especially entrepreneurs, like we all think we're you know, uh, God's gift to the earth, at least to some extent. There, you have to have a little bit of that, otherwise you, you probably aren't an entrepreneur. And, and so when we ask our own selves questions, we think we know the answers, but if we ask other people questions, there can be a lot of power in that. So one of the questions I will usually ask at the end of any meeting with my team or anybody individually just go, Hey, is there anything I'm missing here? Like, is there anything I'm not seeing basically? Is there anything that, that, that we haven't talked about? Um, and then, and then ultimately the next question is like, what needs to happen next? What needs to happen now? Because I think one of the things that people get stuck on, especially when they're trying to start businesses and grow businesses is, is entrepreneurs in general tend to have some kind of a big long-term vision. Like they have an idea of where they want things to be in 10 years, but they, they can sometimes idealize that so much that they can't move towards it. And so, and so sometimes it's a question of just take, what is the next one step I need to take? You know, when you have that idea of what needs to happen, what's the next one step that I need to take? I had this idea last year, back when we could do live events, which hopefully will come back soon, um, to start doing these workshops at our office, just small group workshops of 15, 20 people, things like that, that I could help teach people marketing who maybe couldn't afford us as an agency. Cause I really have a heart for small business and, but some of them can't afford a, you know, 10,000, five, $10,000 a month retainer. Um, and so how can I help those people? So we set up a low cost workshop and I literally woke up from a nap on a Sunday afternoon, had this idea and I was like, huh, I think this would be really cool. So the next thing I did was got a notepad out, start scribbling out some of these ideas so I don't lose them. Cause that's another thing people do is they think of things and they just go away. Right. And we often think of things, in the times where we don't have access to do something about it. We think of things in the shower, we think of things in the car, we think of things right after we wake up, right before we go to sleep. And the reason that happens is that our brain actually needs free space and our society um, and our culture gives our brain almost no free space because we're constantly going, oh, what's this? What's this? You know, there's something else happening here. And so our brain has literally zero time for freedom. And so when we have those free moments, our brain comes up with these things but if we don't record them, we don't know what's going to happen next. So I'd write down what needs to happen next. And I started selling tickets. I sold out my first workshop before I'd even written the content that I was going to teach at that workshop. Um, because I know myself and I know if I've got a sold out workshop of 20 people that are other business owners are about to show up and listen to me for three and a half hours, I better have something good to say to them. That's going to be helpful. Otherwise I'm not going to do another one and they're going to be disappointed. And going back to what I said is my root desire. I want people to like me. And if I know how to harness that properly, there can be great value in that, not just for me, but for those that are around me. And so I always ask that question, like, what am I missing and what needs to happen next? And sometimes it's that one next step that, that people get tripped up on because they're worried about step number 10. And I'm like, no, 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 just take the one next step. Don't worry about step number 10. Take one step, take two steps, take three steps. And if you just keep moving forward in the smallest possible increments, before you know it, you're at the finish line, you got to create a new finish line. So that, that's kind of how I think about questions is those two big things. What am I missing? And um, 
and, and what needs to happen next. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And, you know, like you mentioned, we can't always ask ourselves those things because we have blind spots within ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of like having a coach or just, you know, again, mentors, people that can look at it from a different perspective, you know, and, and reveal it to us, what, what we're missing, which often when they say, it, you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not think of that? How did I not see this? Um, but one thing I wanted to touch on, which I thought was so interesting is the, the need to be liked. And you totally just flipped it on its head because you often hear that as a negative and you're using it and framing it as a positive in your willingness to serve. And I think that is so awesome. Um, And I would love to kind of elaborate a little bit more on how you're able to turn that into a positive because I feel like I hear that so often as like as, as a negative. Well, you know, the biggest question that a lot of entrepreneurs ask, especially men, and especially people who are really hungry and driven, is um, their deep internal question is, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Like that's a real root human question. And we don't talk about these things a lot, especially as guys, because they start to become very emotional and you start to go, oh, wow, that's, I'm not sure if I'm ready to answer that question. Because, because sometimes the people who are the most outgoing and the most self-confident and the most egotistical from an appearance standpoint actually has them have the most difficulty internally from a self-confidence standpoint. That's why they're expressing themselves that way. So one of the things that was a big, um, I, I think I said this earlier, but I really believe that self-awareness is a superpower, uh, especially for business leaders, especially for entrepreneurs. If you don't know yourself, how are you supposed to know anybody else? As a matter of fact, there's a great quote uh, from St. Augustine, who's a, a like fourth century theologian. And he said something to the effect of, if I don't know myself, how can I know God? And then he says, well, God, you know, help me to know myself so that I may know thee. And, and what I believe could also be said as a result of that is that I, I'm a Christian, so I believe that all people are made in the image of God. And so as a result of that, I could also say, if I don't know myself, how am I supposed to know other people? kind of the same thing that Augustine said, but flipped on its head. And, and so, so I need to know myself so I can know other people. So getting to your question, I am going to get there, I promise. Um, one of the things that really helped me was going through um, the personality test called the Enneagram. And I don't have time to dissect the entire thing, but ultimately the Enneagram basically has about nine, not about, it has nine personality types. And within those personality types, there are kind of pros and cons to each one. And they're usually like based on um, your core motives, um, why you do what you do. And so they can be a little bit hurtful when you first read it through. You're like, man, that's, that's really hurtful. And then you realize, yeah, that really is me. So on the Enneagram, I'm a three, which is a performer or a successful achiever. Um, and basically that person, um, their root desire is that they want to be liked. Um, but one of my favorite books as it relates to this, for people that are curious about these things, is called The Road Back to You uh, by a guy named Ian Cron. Um, Ian Morgan Cron, I think is his name, The Road Back to You, such a good book. And in there, he goes through and kind of helps you evaluate which personality type you may be. And once you see that, you can read through and it goes, hey, here's what a healthy version of you looks like. Here's what a typical version of you looks like. And here's what an unhealthy version of you looks like. So an unhealthy version of my characteristic is constantly selfish in a way of, of motivating or even manipulating others to like me and, and for me to become such a chameleon that I actually lose myself 
in the midst of that. That's the unhealthy version of me. The healthy version of me goes, yes, I do want to be liked, and that's okay, because I want to help other people, and by helping other people, they're going to like me. Um, but also, at the end of the day, you, you have to kind of let go of some of those things and go, but it's also not, it's just not all about me. And that's really hard for somebody who's an entrepreneur. A lot of entrepreneurs fall into that three category on the Enneagram. Um, and so that book, that brought me a lot of self-awareness in that uh, time period. Um, but it's something I still struggle with, you know, especially as a leader of a team. I will make mistakes um, by trying to do things for people because I want to help them. But, but if my root desire is, is for them to like me, I got to make sure that I'm actually helping them and not doing something just so that they'll like me. Um, and that's a dangerous thing. And that's a very exposing thing for me to say out loud, right? Like to, to say that is, is, is a dangerous reality. Um, but I think it's better to know the truth. And I think it's better to say the truth out loud and work towards it. But the thing that really helped me with that from a, from a understanding standpoint was that book, uh, the road back to you really, really helpful resource. Awesome. Yeah. And I am a three also. Um, um, I've, I've, I did that like fairly, fairly recently. Um, but, and I'm definitely going to be checking out that book. Um, one thing that I thought that you mentioned, which I'd love to kind of elaborate more on is, um, letting go. You mentioned like the, mm -hmm. the things that you've had to let go. And I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit more if there's something that, that comes to your mind, like something that, that you were holding on to that when you were able to let this go, it was like a dramatic change in your life or business. Um, gosh, there's been so many things to question which one I <laughs> want to talk about. Um, you know, I don't talk about this story a lot because I don't really want it to be my story. But at the same time, it is something that I had to let go of, which was when I started my business, it was the same year that my parents got divorced. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I think that it was my effort to, um, to kind of prove that I was good enough and that I had what it took on my own. And so, you know, for a long time, I don't even think it was a conscious choice, but I think there was a subconscious reality of needing to prove myself to my parents, to, to, to prove myself to other people. I'm the oldest of five siblings. So, you know, I felt like I had a responsibility to, to be the, the parent in some situations. Um, and at some point I had to go, you know what, that, that is not my responsibility anymore. I, I got, that is not my call. That is not my burden. I got to let that go. And I also think that there have been relations. I don't think this, I know this, there have been relationships in my life, close relationships where, uh, they've been really strained over time and, and, and I'm a fixer. So like, I want to go fix the problem, which means I want to go fix the person. And I have had to learn, you cannot fix people. People have to fix themselves. You, you are not good enough, smart enough or anything else. And, and even, even if you are a trained, you know, mental health counselor or something like that, and literally your job is to help people, uh, fix themselves <laughs> to some extent, you can't fix them. None of us are God. And, and I had to just realize, you know what, there are some people in my life that I have to make two choices. I have to make one of two choices. I have to be willing to accept them as they are for the good that they have and be willing to put the bad on the shelf over here and just ignore it at this point, let it go essentially. Or I have to remove that person from my life because they're so toxic 
and dangerous to everything else. I cannot have any relation to them. Those are the paths that I've had to choose in some situations. And, and so I think a lot of the letting go for me has been, you know, I don't know who said this originally, it's not mine, but you know, there's a reason that a, car's, that a car has a big windshield and a small rear view mirror. And that's what life should be like too. We should have a small rear view mirror and we should have a big windshield. We need to kind of be aware of what happened in the past. We need to have, be able to glance at it and go, okay, yep, yep, that, that's helping me remember what to do and what not to do. But we got a big windshield in front of us. And so letting go of the past, regardless of what that looks like through different seasons of life, is one of those things that I've had to learn. Um, and not the easy way usually. I don't learn much the easy way. I learn most things the hard way. So I think, I think ultimately it, it is letting go of some of those past burdens that you feel like you have to carry around. And at some point you gotta go, look, I'm putting this down. This is not, this is not for me. I got bigger things ahead that I'm going to get and I can't get there if I got this big thing on my back. So put down the pat, the burden of the past and move towards the future. I think you gotta be aware of the past. You shouldn't be blind to it, but, but don't stare at it all day long. I think so many people put themselves in a situation where uh, and this is happening a lot throughout culture where people want to put themselves as the victim in the story. And the victim is the weakest character in every story. Do not be the victim. The strongest character in every story is not actually even the hero of the story. It's the guide. The guide, Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars, for example, he's the strongest character in Star Wars, not Luke Skywalker. Why? Because he developed Luke Skywalker and made him the hero. So the victim's the weakest character, the guide's the strongest character, but so many times people want to make themselves the victim. And you got to ask the question like, how do I become the guide here? How, how do I take the things that, that were difficult for me over here and turn those into something that's going to help somebody else instead of constantly dwelling on them? Because dwelling on them, man, that just doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Love the Star Wars reference also. Um, big fan. Um, and I think that's so important. You know, one of the things... And, you know, we've talked a lot about it a lot here is, is like people, you know, and I feel, you know, the reference that you're referring to, you know, a lot of times is people, we want to fix people, you know, as if there's something wrong with them, you know, and it's, it's, you know, we have, I'm noticing similar personalities because I have that same, you know, innate trait where, you know, it's not uh, an intention to do harm, it's intention to, to help. And, you know, it's so powerful in what you're saying and just like they need to, be able to fix themselves and but just from the the standpoint of people and you, you know you elaborated the four and mm. people part you know people part of your life but i was hoping we could dive into that a little bit more because this this seems to be a, a a big theme is like how important it is to have the right people in your environment and how that has helped you to to grow over these years yeah absolutely i mean you know, <laughs> there was a, there was a, um, not to get too political, but I will anyway, because I don't really care. Um, there was a, a speech that Barack Obama gave a while back, and it really agitated, including me, a lot of small business owners uh, and entrepreneurs. And he said something, he's talking like a teacher's union or some kind of union. And he said something like, you know, business owners say this and this. He's like, but they didn't build that. He's like, you didn't build that. You have, and, it, and, and his, his point, it's taken me several years of maturity to really like appreciate the reality of it. His point was that none of us do this alone. And that's true. Like now that can be true at the same time, it, 
we also worked really hard, right? Like those things are not in contrast to one another. It's yes and, right? It's, it's, it's that yes, other people helped me get to where that I am and I worked really hard. Those things are not mutually exclusive. And I think, I think people sometimes make that the case. But I know for me, when I look back over relationships, whether it be friends or family or clients, um, you know, in the early days, like I said, when I worked for my uncle, I mean, I learned so much about business from him. And some of the things that I, I carry on today are, are just little things that he said. I mean, some, some things are like just simple little things like, look, over time, you're going to lose clients. And when you do, oh, you just go out and get two more. Like that, that's, that, that's it. Right. And so like when we lose a client, like that's my response. Well, we'll just go out and get two more because that's going to happen. It's just part of business. And having that him as a mentor in those early years was really valuable to me. Um, I've had clients and friends now, now I'm in different uh, mastermind groups and um, entrepreneurial circles where, you know, yesterday I had a, a mastermind call with um, one of the groups that I'm in, six other business leaders plus a coach. And um, we just beat up the reality of the day, you know, and all these, uh, these folks are different, uh, different industries from around the, around the country. And, and those are kind of people, when I go through that kind of cycle, somebody to look up to, somebody to stand beside you, somebody who's looking up to you and someone who believes in you and you don't believe in yourself, they're the person that stands beside me. Or there's some of those people, right? Because they're running businesses too. They're in the trenches. They've got teams. They've got families. They're trying to figure it out. Um, for us, one of the things that I actually discounted for a long time um, was, was, this sounds horrible, was friends. Like, you know, I, as an adult, when I was in high school, I had plenty of friends, but, but as an adult, I really didn't have a lot of like really close friends in my early years of business. And I really just thought I just didn't have time for it. Um, and I also wasn't really good at nurturing those relationships. And we also got married really young and had kids really young. So that makes it really disruptive, right? When you're 22 years old and you have your first child and everybody else is still single, you're like, okay, well, how, we can't really relate anymore. It's hard to do that. It just is. And so now, now though, my wife, thankfully, is really good at nurturing some of those relationships, or at least a lot better than I am. And so one of the things that we have that's really valuable to me from a people standpoint is uh, we do a monthly supper club, like the best thing we do in our life. And uh, basically, it's us plus our, my, me and my wife plus three other couples. And they're, they're those people who stand beside us too. They, they all happen to own businesses. They all homeschool their kids. They've all been married for around 20 years. They, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, symmetrical <laughs> relationship. And we just rotate houses once a month and we do a fancy dinner in each other's houses. And there's something so powerful about that because they just know where you're at. They, 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 they know what it feels like to have kids this age. They know what it feels like to be in marriage this long. They know, they know what that, they know what it's like to have a team and, and try and build a business and, and try and be profitable on, on all those things. And so, it, the, having those right people in my life is not something that just like magically happened one day. It was something that required intentionality and, and purpose over time and, and, and caring for those around me often led to that. Like my wife is the one who like ended up putting us in this supper club. It's the best thing ever. Like it sounds ridiculous, but it, it really is the most amazing group of people uh, who I love dearly and, and they make my life so much better you know, and they make my business better. They make me better as a person. And so I think all those relationships, um, we want to segment like business and personal, you know, work, and then like life. 
And I don't like that at all. Like the whole like work-life balance thing, I don't like that term. I don't think it's a balance. I think some days you work a ridiculous amount and then other days you don't work at all. And some days it's a little bit of a mix of both. I always say it's more like a blender. And you know, some days you need a little bit more fruit and some days you need a little bit more spinach. Um, sometimes you need a little extra protein powder. Like it just depends on where you're at. And, and that's kind of what life is. It's a blender. It's not a balance. I love that. And, and I don't think it sounds ridiculous. I think it sounds awesome. <laughs> and I think the important part too that you mentioned is, is having a core group of people that just like understand you. Like to mm-hmm. me, that's what I got out of this is like, you guys are all so similar in so many ways that they just get you in understanding that part. And, you know, for me, somewhat early in my entrepreneur career, when I was first getting started, I didn't have people around, you know, I I did similar things like what you're talking about, where you're, you're reading books and you wonder, and you're like, am I the only one here? Like, am I weird? (laughs) What is going on? You know? And, and it, and it takes, like you said, that intention of going out and like finding these people. And now like, my network continues to grow like more and more people that just like think the way that, that I want. And it's like, I find, I finally found it. You know, I found my people and it's just such an amazing thing when you're willing to, you know, open up and find those other people, which often sometimes means letting go some of the other people that may be holding you back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't know who said this originally, but, you know, they always say, they, whoever they are, always say that, you know, you're kind of the average of the five closest people around you. And it's important to take inventory. It, it's important to look around and go, are these people that I want to be more like? Are, are these people that are helping me grow or pulling me backwards? Because every relationship is either helping you grow or pushing you backwards. Now, it's not all about you. Like, let's be clear. But at the same time, what I have learned as well is that if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else. And so the worst thing I can do, people are like, well, I put myself last and God first and my wife and then my kids and then my team and then this and then me down here. I'm like, no, no, no. It's God first, then you, then your spouse, then your kids, then your team, then whatever else. At least that's my order. Um, but that's new for me. Like I'm just now starting to go, okay, I, I have to take care of myself. What does that look like? It looks like enough sleep. I'm not somebody who can function off three hours a night. It is not going to work. I can't function off five hours a night. I can do it for a couple nights, but that's it. I need eight hours of sleep every single night to be my best me. Otherwise, I'd be in this podcast and be like, I don't know. Like what? I don't know what the question is, you know? And so taking care of yourself along the way includes taking inventory of the people around you and going, are these people I want to be more like? It doesn't have to be like, hey, we're breaking up. I'm not going to be, you know, with you anymore. Well, maybe it is if it's a bad uh girlfriend relationship or something. But, but if it's a friend, it might just be somebody that you start to distance yourself from more intentionally. Um, because again, you can't fix them. Like if they are constantly drinking every night and doing drugs and doing other things that you don't want to be a part of, if you're going to be around them, you're going to become more like them. Like a bad apple spoils the bunch is a saying because it's true. And so if you're around people like that, it's going to cause you to be more like that, which is fine if that's what you want to be like. I don't, I don't judge you for that. If that's what somebody wants to, if that's how some people want to live their life, that's totally fine. Just don't ask me to pay for it. That's all. Yeah. I love that too. I'm talking about um, helping yourself first. You know, it's the, the analogy of when you're on an airplane 
you know, make sure you put the bag on first before you, you know, do it to your child. You know, we can't help other people until we help ourselves. And this is such a great segue because this is what I love to talk about is um, into how you help yourself or how you focus on yourself. I assume, and again, you know, I'd love to dive into this more. You mentioned sleep already, but what are some other habits that you have potentially like morning habits, nightly habits that are just like so important for you to have to take care of yourself first? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, I'm a little, I'll be completely honest, I'm a little off schedule right now of, I was had pretty good habits all across the board. So I can talk about those prior, but we just sold our house like three months ago. We did a 30 day RV trip. Now we've been living in a condo for two weeks while our new house is being finished. Um, so there's not a whole lot of, of order in life right now. I'm still basically living out of a suitcase and have been for several months um, until our house is done. So it's been a wild um, season, but it's also been a great season. As far as habits that really matter to me, number one is sleep. Like I have to have enough sleep. Um, if that means I have to come into the office later or take the day off or whatever, because I had a late night with friends or family or whatever, fine. Like um, I have to have enough sleep. It's a non-negotiable. Um, maybe occasionally I might have a night here or there where that's just not an option because of a sick kid or Lord knows what. But but in general, that's just a number one priority for me. The other is I will intentionally block time on my schedule for things that matter. So um, the biggest mistake people make is they schedule their entire work work week and work day, but they don't schedule anything personally. Now they might know like, okay, well, Saturday night we're going out or whatever. <coughs> But as an example, I will schedule um, like Friday afternoon. I'll take, I, I don't allow other people to book me Friday afternoon because um, I know I'm going to just going to have things that need to get wrapped up at the other week. Things that, that got carried over that I didn't finish from earlier in the week. I want to clean up my inbox. I want to, whatever it may be, I block off the last three hours of the day on a Friday. That's just how I operate. Now, other people might need something differently. Um, you know, other habits I have gotten to the, the another, like this is kind of a more generalized, larger thing. I, for ages was really not good at taking vacation. I was not good at taking rest period. So I would maybe go on like a trip or something, but I would take my phone with me I'd take my laptop with me and I would work every day. And the excuse that entrepreneurs make is, um, well, I really like my work. So it's really not work. That's not true. Uh, you're lying to yourself. You need an actual break. Now, sometimes you can't get that until you're a little bit farther down the road. But for me, that was a big thing is now I always take some kind of an extended break um, where I am not working at all. That means I'm not checking my text messages for work. I'm not checking my emails. I, I even know a guy, I didn't go this far, but I know a guy that um, he was so addicted to his email, uh, which some of us, I am too, kind of. Uh, he was so addicted to his email, he actually had his assistant change his email password while he was on vacation. So he physically could not check his email unless he called her, asked for the password and then used it. <laughs> and so then he, then he would have to be kind of ashamed that he was having to check his email. And so that was the extent that he went to. So for me, you know, it started off by, okay, I'm just going to take a day off. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to take two weeks off. And then I just recently, like I said, took this 30 day RV trip. I did not work at all the first two weeks. The last two weeks I checked in a few times, but didn't really do much work. So a big goal for me this year was to take 30 days off. Um, and so those are some of the things that kind of become habitual for me. Uh, I don't have, you know, the kind of morning routine that a lot of people brag about. 
where it's like I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I make a smoothie and then I work out for an hour and then I do my like 45 minute devotional with God alone on the lake. And I don't have that kind of process. I, a lot of times will get up and get a shower and check my phone and get a cup of coffee and go to work. Um, and so, but that works for me. So other people need a more regimented plan. And I have tried all those things before, but they're just not for me. Like someone like a Brendan Bruchard is very like, this is how I do it. And I do this and this and this, and I do it every single day and every And I'm like, great. That's not how I operate. I need like a little more freedom. I'm a little bit more of a, a free bird. I like to stay up late at night and I like to get up late in the morning. Now, late in the morning for me is like, you know, 7, 30, 8 o'clock because I've got kids. So I don't mean I'm not sleeping until like 10 or 11 but I'm not getting up at four in the morning and going like for a CrossFit workout. It's just not going to happen. Um, and you have to know yourself. And so this goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is self-awareness is a superpower, but you should try some of these things. Try what some of these gurus and experts of whatever type say work for them. I've tried most of them and, and go that either works for me or it doesn't. Cause you might be like, wow, this has changed. This has revolutionized my life. Or you might go, you know what? I actually work better when I get to be on my laptop at 11 o'clock at night until one in the morning and then sleep till eight. That's fine too, because I do that all the time. Um, so I always say, ignore the system, but have a system. You have to find what works best for you. And just because I tell you what works for me, that doesn't mean that's gonna work for you. And so entrepreneurs and business owners out there, I think in general, have to find systems that work for them. And that comes from, going back to what we were talking about earlier, curiosity. It comes from exploring what other people are doing. If you're really curious about habits and you want to kind of dig into this stuff, like scientifically, there's an amazing new book. It's not that new anymore, but called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. Um, I actually need to go back and reread it. Um, but just some stunning ideas in there of simple things that you can do, kind of like what I was saying, taking the one step versus trying to like revolutionize your life um, with a brand new P90X workout. So that's kind of how I think about all those things. No, absolutely. Yeah, I talk about tom atomic habits all the time. And we talk about a lot of the, you know, guru things and like what people are doing um on the show. I love I've I've listened to Atomic Habits like four times. Um, you Great know, book. love talking about it. I have I'm a little obsessed with habits, like you mentioned, like somebody who's like boom, boom, boom. That's me. I'm like Great. very regimented. I am just like my I have like a machine with my habits that just like goes um and i so i'm curious i'm curious to talk going back to the enneagram do you remember what your wing number is like usually you're a three wing one or a three wing two do you remember what that is by chance uh, I bet it's a one. no i'm not sure i would almost guarantee that your that your wing if you go back and look sometimes it lists it sometimes it doesn't depending on your test uh, a three is the performer like i said the one is a little bit more of the perfectionist or the improver and the two is the helper and so like what you just described is I, I like things in a particular order. I like them to work a particular way. That works really well for me. That to me says that you lean towards that one essentially, which is that perfectionist, the, the systems person, the organizer, the, you know, I have a particular order for things. I'm not like that at all. I'm, I lean the other way. And so we have some of the same like personality traits from, a, from an exposure standpoint, like why we care about things and stuff like that. But then our innate behaviors along that path probably change. I, I lean towards a wing two, which is the helper, um, which doesn't really relate to like organization or not, but the one does. And that's why I bet you lean that way because I, I don't, it's just not my, that's just not who I am. And that's fine. Like everybody needs to know where they're at and what works for them. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. The book I read uh, recently was better than before. Um, and, and she kind of, um, 
Gretchen Rubin, she goes into like the different mm-hmm. types of people, like upholder, questioner, obliger, rebel. The way that you're talking, you may seem like a little bit more of a rebel where you're like, yeah. a routine makes you feel held down. And so you're, you're, yeah. So that, that seems to be where you're at. Um, but my, now my, I know my you- wife needs a routine. She's, she's a one on the Enneagram. And so for her, that persists. So that can create some tension for us sometimes because she needs that specific routine. She thrives in that environment. It makes me feel like I'm in a cage. Um, I, I want to like, feel like every day is a brand new day, but I also have found, um, not to sidetrack too much. I have found certain things that really help me. Like, for example, today we're doing this podcast. I only do things like this on a Wednesday. I batch, I'm in the studio at my office today. I batch all these things together. I have my own podcast called building a business that lasts that I run. And so, uh, I batch all those things on a Wednesday and I found that works really well for me. Um, so that's kind of one of those things where I've found that that works for me. So I'm going to do that. But it doesn't mean you have to. You might prefer to have one podcast every day, not five on a Wednesday because it might burn you out. So I think it's just figuring out what works based on your particular needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so, um, I love this conversation because we talked about so many things, yet they all mesh and blend together. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a, such a fascinating aspect of like knowing ourselves. And, you know, you mentioned a few books. Um, and I love to ask this question. It's really selfishly for me. I, I want to know, but, um, it's all about, so is there any book that you have that was like, oh my gosh, this is the best book. I love this book recommended to, you know, anyone, you know, everyone, um, that's kind of come into your mind. I have so many that are my favorites. Interestingly, uh, one thing I'll say before I give you the one I would pick is, I am a really slow reader. I think I'm actually dyslexic. One of my children actually is dyslexic and I have all the same traits, even though I've not really been diagnosed. So I have a really hard time reading. I'm very slow. I can do it. I'm a perfectly fine reader, but I'm a very slow reader. So it takes me a long time to get through a book and I'm pretty distractible as you probably can tell. And so as a result of those combinations, it's hard for me to stay focused on a book. So I have found the audiobooks work really well for me. So when I say I read a book, I really mean I listened to it. If I really loved it, I will listen to the book, then buy the physical copy because I want to listen to it while I read it because then I can kind of double down on it. Then if I really love it, I'll listen to it again while I read it, while I like take notes and highlight and comment inside the book. That's when my maximum learning takes place. But I've learned that about myself over time. There's a thousand books I probably um, would recommend. And it really usually it depends on what the focus is. Um, for people that are looking to build a business and, and entrepreneurship is their curiosity. My favorite kind of go-to business Bible to some extent is Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. Um, I love that book. Uh, it, it really revolutionized my business probably eight or 10 years ago when I first read it. Um, gave me kind of a, a practical roadmap for how to do all kinds of things from hiring and firing to, um, you know, sales conversations to client relationships to disc personality profiles to all kind of stuff. Um, so that book has been a huge thing for me. Other like favorite authors, I would say pretty much anything by Simon Sinek. Uh, he's a genius, you know, most people know him for start with why, but a lot of the other books are great too. Like leaders eat last his newest book, infinite game is a fascinating read. Um, I love anything by Patrick Lencioni, very different writer because he writes mostly in fables and the very short books, which I like. Um, but like the ideal team player that he wrote is a, been a huge aspect for us. He talks about the ideal team player needing to be humble, hungry, and smart. And he kind of tells like a story and then he uses that story to explain 
the business theory behind it. Um, I know that's more than one book, but I've had to pick one to be entrepreneur leadership. That's been probably the biggest cornerstone book for me. That's had the largest long-term impact that I keep going back to over and over again. Awesome. Love it. Amazing. Jay, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, last thing is where's the best place for somebody to uh, reach you, follow you, get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Everything about me can be found online on my website at jowenlive.com. That's J-A-Y-O-W-E-N live.com. You can get my book on there. You can see the podcast. You can read some blog posts, whatever is your best way of learning. All those things are on there. So jowenlive.com. Awesome. Again, thank you so much. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, just so many things that people can can take and and you know make it happen. Take the action on the things that that you've heard today to to really make an impact on your life. And I appreciate you you know sharing your story, opening up. Um, so again, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Nick. And and you guys, I appreciate the listeners. Um, you know, get out there, make it happen, and remember. Let's keep growing together. Wait, wait, one more thing. I would first like to say thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this message, please take a moment to write a review. By writing a review, it helps people find this message and helps me help more people. And if you really, really liked it and you think this message could help someone else, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and please tag me at Nick J. Bonnie, N-I-C-K-J-B-O-N-I, so I can show my appreciation for you. We can all win by helping each other grow. Thank you. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.